0: You're listening to Spiderweb Salon's podcast, where we talk to poets and authors about writing, being a writer, and having ideas. Thank you for listening. Today we have Bonnie Jo Stufflebeam in the studio. Her fiction and poetry has appeared or is forthcoming in over 50 magazines and anthologies, both literary and speculative, including The Toast, Prism International, Master's Review, Clark's World, and Everyman's Library's MonsterVerse. Her kick-started music and words collaboration with partner Peter Brewer, entitled Strange Monsters, is forthcoming in April of 2016. She's had stories reprinted in French and Polish, in numerous podcasts, and on the popular science blog io9. She earned an MFA in creative writing from University of Southern Maine's Stonecast program and created and curates the annual Art and Words Collaborative Show in Fort Worth, Texas, which was featured in Poets and Writers. Today we'll be playing the first track off Strange Monsters, titled The Stink of Horses.
1: stink of horses,
0: except from the Marina Golovina controversy. I don't understand anything about the ballet. All I know is that during the intervals the ballerinas stink like horses. Anton Shekhov
1: When I dance, the stage shakes with my weight. They ask me, what does it feel like when you dance? I answer, like nothing, like leaving my body, like death,
2: Marina Golovina. Marina was not like the other dancers. The dancer was broad, her thighs as thick as stakes. The other ballerinas laughed, They called her Big Girl, they brought her cakes and cookies, which she shoved in her mouth in front of them, letting the crumbs fall down her chin and onto her black leotard. It was she who got the best parts, she who moved like an animal, as though the stage was her life, as though once she left it, the legs that she used to soar across it would no longer be hers. Marina was the best. I knew this. It was why I gave her only the parts worthy of her. Daniel Duroff. I met Marina at the ballet, before she was big. And by big I mean famous, for she was always a hefty woman. Hips of a mother, hips of a woman who knows how to fuck. It is what drew me to her in the first place as I did not see her dance until it was too late. I was already fallen, like a misstep. I was not a dancer, not the way Marina was. My dancing was done in back alleys, in damp and dark clubs, too drunk to know better. I had been told I moved like a monster, one possessed. I wanted to dance with Marina. She too had that crazy look in her eyes, a hunger I couldn't name even when it landed across me later in the din of her hotel room. As soon as we entered the room, she removed her clothes piece by piece, languid, bored, as though undressing was a chore. Quick, she said, Make me come before midnight. We have one hour to spare and one hour only, and then you will take your clothes and you will leave. At first, I asked questions, but when she sat on the edge of the unmade bed and crossed her arms across her bare chest, hiding her nipples, I agreed. I climbed across the floor to her on all fours, and lost myself between her legs. Her room did stink like a barn, like leather and straw and dung and sweat. But I had heard the man in the glasses and the pince in the audience of the ballet that night, had heard him say that this was how a ballerina smelled. not ashamed to say I loved it. Once she was shaking in my embrace, I buried my nose in the hair under her arms and breathed it in like a perfume. I did not wash myself for one week after. I did not see her again for two months. Yvonne Istemann. Yes, I remember.
1: He thought he was something, told me he wanted to take me dancing. He was good between my legs, once I told him what to do there, as though he had never tasted a real woman before and needed to be told which fork to use. His name? I did not catch it. I do not remember it. I have terrible memory. Each night it seems I forget all but the dance. The dance I remember. The dance I dance again and again in my sleep.
0: Hey Bonnie, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having I am me. I'm very excited <laughs> to have you here, and this project, um, Strange Monsters, is so cool. I've been following it for some time. Um, can you give us just a little bit of background on where your process, like starting this project and how it how it evolved?
1: Sure. Uh, well, we uh, my husband is a jazz musician and owns a recording studio in our house. Um, it's actually in our converted garage. <laughs> uh, so, we wanted to enter this contest. Um, it's called the Miller Audio Prize for the Missouri Review. And we thought that we would be, you know, perfect candidates for it because we have all the recording equipment. It would be really easy. Um, and we wanted to do this collaborative work where I basically read a story um, and then he came in and wrote a jazz composition to go behind it. Uh, we got some of our jazz friends to come in and play it. Um, but then it kind of turned into this bigger thing because the story that I picked has four voices. Mm-hmm. So we thought, how cool would it be if, uh, if we hire actors, like local actors, to come in and do it? And so that's what we did. Uh, we had local actors come in and everybody had a really fun time recording it. And some of the, the musicians, specifically the drummer, uh, Zach Forsyth, said, this was the coolest experience ever. We'd like to keep doing this. Can we do more of these? And Peter and I said, well, you know, the Miller Audio Prize is over, but maybe we could do a CD. Um, and when we didn't end up, you know, placing in the audio prize, we thought, well, we've got this, we've got this podcast or this audio recording, and what are we going to do with it? Uh, Might as well make use of it. (laughs) So we decided to really stress ourselves out and uh, (laughs) do five tracks total and um, then do a Kickstarter for it, which was a whole other crazy project. (laughs) Creative process as well. Yeah.
0: Um, The uh, the the work that's on your your, um, you know, collaboration. Did, are these all different stories or um, did you make an effort to make them kind of follow the same theme or, or like, you know, arc?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's four, st- actually, oh my gosh, are there five, six or track, <laughs> five, <laughs> five tracks or six tracks? There's six tracks. actually. Okay. <laughs> um, and I said five earlier. So one of them is poems. It's like selected poems. The other five are stories. And they were written previously. Um, They were all published because I was concerned about uh, giving away first publication rights. Uh Um, So they're all reprints. Um, A lot of them can be found online to read. So you can, you know, you can read the version that's in text form or you can listen to it on the CD with the music in the background. Um, And I did try to find stories that fit a theme. And the theme was kind of uh, women. Mm-hmm. And women's voices. And uh, I've always been really inspired by this Mae Sarton quote. It's from uh, a poem, My Sisters, Oh My Sisters. And it's about women who are really strong and uh, really creative being seen as kind of monstrous because they go towards this creative life rather than seeking out this more domestic life. And so I kind of found stories that were already written mm-hmm. that fit this theme. And so all of the do you, stories... Do you the remember the quote? Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> um, and all women who have wanted to break out of the prison of consciousness to sing or shout are strange monsters who renounce the treasure of their silence for a curious, devouring pleasure. That is so beautiful. I'm yeah. glad that yeah, you awesome. remembered that. That's so awesome. Yeah, well, I, I read it into the mic, you know, about 20 times. So. Yes. <laughs>
0: You, you tend to uh, stick but <laughs> sticks with you. Yeah. Um. So the the stories themselves, um, you know, writing them previously, are these based on your own experiences, or are you a kind of like going around and harvesting the experiences of the women around you or the women that inspire you?
1: Ah, uh, both. Um. Definitely, there are pieces of of my autobiography mm-hmm. in all of the stories um some more than others <laughs> some of them were a little are a little painful to listen to being read because it reminds me of things that happened in my life uh-huh. um, and other ones such as the stink of horses has just like a, a little bit of inspiration for my life but it was inspired for example the stink of horses was inspired by a new yorker article that i read about the bolshoi ballet and um the acid attack that was on the director um there was a lot of drama that was happening in mm-hmm. the Bolshoi, and these two ballerinas, male ballerinas, were were kind of jealous and dueling. And one of them got picked for a role, and the other one didn't. And he hired someone to throw acid in the face of the director, mm-hmm. or uh, he didn't hire him to throw acid. He threw him, to, or he hired the guy to rough him up, and oh the, my, <laughs> the person hired <laughs> translated that as. I'm going to throw acid on his face. Um, and so I was reading the story and I've always been really fascinated with ballet and with the dance. Um, I think because I'm not very good at dance, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like to dance. And so the Chekhov quote that's at the beginning of the story was referenced in this New Yorker piece. And it, it's a true quote. It's the only true quote in the whole story, the stink of horses. Um, and I just, I kind of held that quote and that drama from the Bolshoi Mm -hmm. in my mind for a while. And, uh, then I just started thinking, what if the reason why these dancers smelled like horses was because they were horses, (laughs) which is a bizarre thing to think, Mm -hmm. but you know, the magical realist in me started spinning the wheels and, um, yeah, that's where that. Story yeah. Came from. Do
0: you find that um, you live kind of vicariously through your work? Um, you know, like I'm I'm not a dancer, but I'm here I am writing about dancers. I know you write a lot of um, sci-fi. I'm interested in mm-hmm. in where those ideas come from and this like these magical worlds that you build. Um, just kind of how that starts. I mean, there's there's the talking about women and relationships, and then there's these like magical fantasy lands as well. Um, and how do you balance that?
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely live vicariously. I've written two stories about dancers mm-hmm. and they're some of my favorite to write and some of my favorite, you know, to, to go back to because I'm so interested in dancing and that was a part of me that I never got to explore. Um, as far as the more sci-fi, usually when I'm writing sci-fi, I'm responding to, because I, I love reading sci-fi, but there is a lot of masculinity in sci-fi. Um, Yes. (laughs) And so a lot of my science fiction actually is kind of a response to this masculinity in this, in these worlds that I love and trying to see myself more in, in these worlds.
0: Um, Bringing a new experience to, or I guess your current experience to Mm -hmm. this new experience. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, I know that you're, you're a very um, at least, you know, watch, watching you put work out in the world, like you seem very prolific. How do you, how do you balance the, the, the writing life
1: with the putting yourself out in the world life? Uh, <laughs> I have not figured that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, I write every day, um, which works until it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, it works until I get sick and then I can't write, you know, for a couple of weeks. Um, and then I have to, I'm constantly getting off the train and getting back on the train. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that I'm able to write so much when I'm on the train that it looks like I'm writing all the time. Uh (laughs) Um, I definitely, you know, I try very hard to maintain a good balance Mm of, of home, uh, day job and writing life. And, uh, it's, it's kind of a constant struggle, but I think I'm, I've got it figured out. The trick is just not letting it overwhelm.
0: Yeah. And um, do you do you allow yourself that those periods of rest? Like, is it um, an anxious time that you're <laughs> like, damn, I should
1: be doing something? Yeah, it's definitely an anxious time. Um, and that's, you know, something that I've been trying to work out. And uh, it's funny, I never even realized that, like, that was a problem, that when I'm resting, I'm mm-hmm. constantly thinking I need to be working until my therapist was like, what you? What are you doing? Like you need to you're allowed to take a break. Absolutely. So now I just try to remember that and kind of keep what she said.
0: Do you have any um how do you have any like rituals that get you back into it? Um, the actual process of writing, like do you go to a place that inspires you or are you are you reading uh during that time?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I try to read fifty pages a day. Um you're so <laughs> diligent. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah. I try to read 50 pages a day and usually I read when I get home from work because mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a de-stressor that I can use. Um, in terms of getting into the writing, <laughs> I, play, uh, I play Mahjong Solitaire to kind of clear my mind mm-hmm. and the trick is, you know, just playing one round and not moving on, playing more than one. And then I usually put on music, um, instrumental music. Yeah. And kind of usually like really do ideas (laughs) just kind
0: of come your way as you're doing this or do you have like things that you're like I know I want to work on this but I don't know how I'm going to accomplish it
1: yeah I usually have a little tiny speck of something Mm -hmm. Um, it's very rare that I just sit down with no idea
0: yeah
1: uh, whatsoever but I don't I'm not an outliner Um, I'm very much a pantser so I sit down and discover where I'm going as I go.
0: Do you find that you start with a character or is it um, a a landscape or a phrase or...
1: It's usually actually a response to some other form of art. Mm -hmm. I find myself uh, responding to music. Um, My favorite songs, there will be like a lyric in there that really sticks with me. And I'll think, you know, what, what would this look like as a story? And so I'll sit down and I'll either use that as a refrain or use that as a starting off point. Um, sometimes I see a piece of art um, and then I sit down and I try to write the story that would go along with that piece of art. Um, Sometimes I see a movie and I think, man, you know, I really wish that it had ended this way. And so Mm -hmm. I try to tell the story the way that I would have told it, you know, obviously without copying. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you're, you, so you've got these you know, musical collaborations, these art collaborations, do you find yourself collaborating with other writers? Is there ever a a moment where you bring (laughs) another writer into your, your little world and have Uh them work with you?
1: I have tried. Uh, I tried to do that once. Um, and it kind of, (laughs) it imploded. Okay. It was not, (laughs) we won't name names. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, not going to name names. Um, there was some drama that had nothing to do with writing Uh that was happening. Um, and so, unfortunately, the story idea, which was a really cool story idea, didn't end up uh, didn't end up being finished. But I've always been interested in yeah. collaborating with another writer. It's a
0: solitary process for now, though. Yeah. How do you How do you deal with that um, that loneliness? Like going through the editing process, going through the submission process, like this whole thing you're doing yourself. Like, what what helps you self motivate? That's a good question.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm a pretty solitary person naturally, Mm -hmm. I guess. So being at home by myself is kind of really peaceful. Mm -hmm. Um, How I've tried some different motivational techniques for when I can't self motivate, when I'm having issues. Uh, um, One that my friend taught me is little beads in a jar. Um, Okay. Every time you do, like, you have a jar and you paint different levels on it and when you get to each level you get a little reward so like you can buy yourself a cup of coffee at the first level um you know maybe at the top level you get a massage or something okay that's really luxurious um and every time you do something creative or you get something accomplished you put a bead in the jar and then uh, when it gets to different levels you can reward yourself that's one way. That is such a cool idea. Yeah.
0: Are you doing this right now? Like where are you that at? One, where are you at in the jar? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: Well, I filled it up once. Okay. And then I dumped it out. And so now I'm back at the beginning because that, that method kind of stopped working for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so now I'm putting stickers on a calendar mm-hmm. when, I, when I work, um, which isn't as fun as needs in a jar. <laughs> but it's easier because I'm sitting at my desk already. And I have the space for a calendar on the wall and I could just do it real fast.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so um, projects that are happening right now. I know you've got the uh, Arts and Words show that you run every year. This is going to be the fifth year mm-hmm. of that running. Um, what, what other things do you have up and, and what is that all about?
1: Uh, so Art and Words is uh, it's an art show that takes place annually. Mm-hmm. at Art on the Boulevard in Fort Worth, Texas. And I don't put my work in it. I accept work from other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So every year I select 10 writers and 10 visual artists. And the writers are um, actually poets, nonfiction writers, fiction writers. A good mix. Yeah. The trick is just the works have to be short enough to fit on a page that will then be put on the wall that someone can read it as they're walking by. Next to the corresponding art piece. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, So that's really kind of the only restriction mm-hmm. that i place is that it has to be short enough which is like 700 words and what day is that
0: this year do you have a date for it already
1: uh it's october 1st this okay. year. okay that will be the reception cool and then the show will run for one week after that um but the reception is really kind of where you want to be um, definitely the readings and all yeah, that. yeah yeah there's stuff. a reading at the reception Oh well, cool there's food and drinks
0: and is there anything else that you're working on right now that you're excited about or
1: want to share or um yeah well the the strange Monsters project absolutely we just finish that and it's out it's out and people yeah. can buy it and they don't <laughs> yes. have to
0: just kickstart
1: a thing yeah right. um, where can they find that um that's on cd baby right now and w- it should be on itunes and amazon soon mm-hmm. uh, i'm not sure when but that is the the thing that my husband and i put together
0: and it's a great work i'm Thank i'm you. really excited about it um do
1: you have a personal website or anything that you
0: want to share before we're, we're finished today? I do. It's
1: uh, bonniejoestufflebeam.com. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and the last name is spelled exactly like it sounds.
0: And we can find you on Twitter, too. Yeah, You're active uh-huh. doing stuff, sharing yeah. all your work.
1: Yep. Excellent. At bonniejoestuffle. They wouldn't let me uh, <laughs> put the beam in there. <laughs> <Dang>.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Bonnie. This yeah. has been a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for listening to
0: Spiderweb Salon's podcast. I'm Courtney Murray, and this has been a Pariah Production.